beautiful. That is beautiful. Thank you, Micah. Good morning and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths, and I am really glad each and every one of you are here. Looks like a light Sunday, and honestly, just keep it secret, keep it safe. Those are usually my favorite, because I, uh, I started my call as a pastor as a small group leader, and I, I, I feel like that's the way I communicate. My best sermons are usually ones that I feel like I'm in a small group and there's interaction. So today is September 19th, 2021. For those listening on the podcast, I want to say welcome also and thank you. This Tuesday, over in the choir room, we're going to have the jam. And so bring up, break out your instrument, break out your tambourines, your triangles. Uh, and the way that works is you show up at the choir room and we usually play a couple songs together like uh, Brown Eyed Girl and like Knocking on Heaven's Door, that kind of thing, that, the, the classics, you know, like the, the fun ones that on the guitar or whatever. And then Jason usually goes home, goes to sleep, and then the serious musicians stick around and do really talented stuff. Um, anything else? Yes, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. There is a memorial service for Phyllis Smith uh, and that's October 2nd at 1 p.m. Make sure you get one of these beautifully made, um, basically, announcements um, of her, her memorial service. And then, also, we're hosting on September 30th. This is just for prayer and information. Do you remember when we were doing the drive-in and we met as a congregation that first time when we approved meeting as a session on Zoom retroactively? Does anybody remember that? Okay, good. That's happening on the presbytery level because we've been the our book of order, our you know our book of common worship, all of our constitutional stuff doesn't really allow for pandemics. So it says in there that if we're supposed to meet in person, and so we have to vote as a presbytery retroactively to okay all these decisions we've made during this pandemic via Zoom presbytery meetings. And we've been chosen as the lucky ones to host this. So on the September 30th, be praying. Just This is for everybody. Just continue to pray for our presbytery, Los Ranchos Presbytery, and us as leaders, and us as a session, and deacons, and all that jazz, that God continues to reveal how we're supposed to move through this. And how we're supposed to grow and get to know one another and get to know him, God, more. Right? Everybody still awake? Okay, I got, I'm winded for some reason. That's a bad sign. Okay, I got to lay off the donuts, Jay. Okay, everybody uh, look at each other. Make sure everybody sees, feels welcome. We've concluded winking is no longer an option. It's creepy. But let's just pause for a second and breathe in. God has something for us this morning. It's not an accident that anyone in this room is here. I firmly believe that. Please stand as I call us to worship using Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways 
He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His passion is to remain true to the word of I am, meditating day and night on the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree, planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Let's worship the Lord.
Good morning. So this is what it feels like to be an empty nester. Um, <laughs> I don't have any students today. Um, so I'm going to use this time once again to kind of just share with you some upcoming events that we have in children's first being trunk or treat. Um, that's on October 30th from 3 to 5 p.m. Flyers went out last Sunday, but if you didn't get one, there's some at the table, so pick one up on your way out. Um, we are in need of cars decorated, so if you can pull up and pop your trunk, throw a few decorations in the back, we could use you. Um, again, it could be as simple, and I shared this last Sunday, super, super simple. If you're a sports fan, throw some memorabilia back there. It's a sports car. Um, you have some pumpkins. You went to a pumpkin patch over the weekend. Throw some pumpkins in there. It's a pumpkin, a pumpkin patch. Super simple, super easy, um, and it gives the kids an extra stop on their loop around the parking lot. We have about six cars signed up now. We could use about six more. So be praying about it. If you feel that you can do something like this, there will be sign-ups in the fellowship hall after service. Another fun event that we offer at that event is a chili cook-off. Who here likes to cook? Okay, well, put your cooking skills to test. Create a chili. You can even just buy a can. Nobody will know. Um, throw it in a crock pot and see if it wins. How crazy would that be, right? Trader Joe's chili in there, and it won. Um, I will just give a hint. A lot of people like it really spicy. That usually is the winner. So I just throw some habaneros, chilies in there, and you've got the best chili. I'm telling you. Really easy. Go ahead, pick them up. Um, so that goes on as well. Um, this is kind of the adult feature of Trunk or Treat, the People can get kind of competitive in it, gives you something fun to do um, while participating in Trunk or Treat. That sign-up is also going to be in the fellowship hall after service. Um, we are in need of more members on the Children's Committee, so if you feel called or have been praying about it in this last week, we are having a meeting today. Come by. Um, we will be in the children's classroom, and we would love to have you. On that note as well, we need more children's volunteers. So if you want to dedicate a Sunday, um, it could be every third Sunday, fourth Sunday, um, or it could just be, you know, pop in here and there. I'd like to sit with the children this, you know, Sunday in a few months. What can I do? Um, whatever your time is, we will take you. <laughs> Same with nursery. Again, we don't have any nursery-age children at this time, but if we have a visitor come in, they have a baby, um, and they could use your help, we would want to be able to offer that to them. So if you can come onto a, a list of as-needed, um, we will take you for that as well. Those sign-ups will all be in the fellowship after service. Um, so we thank you guys all. We appreciate you, and I hope to see your names on those lists. At this time, all children and youth are dismissed to Sunday school. If, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Standing on that promise, let us confess our sins against God and neighbor together. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, in your great compassion, 
cleanse us from our sin. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. Amen. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, Tim. All right, we're in the basics, a new kind of righteousness. Last week we started our series. It's going to last through October, and it's, we're going through Romans. And like I said last week, it's, it's dense, and especially this Sunday. There's a lot we're going to cover. It's, it's, it's profound. It's prolific. It's beautiful. Um, like I said before, I'm really glad you're here. Um, Context-wise, I think you need to remember that Paul opens the letter with beloved. And uh, I was talking to somebody last week, and they said there was a Reverend Curley here for a long time. Was anybody around when Curley was around? That part of the... I guess he used to say beloved a lot. He used to call the congregation beloved. Sorry, I'm not like softer, and I need to call you more beloved, but I do. I love you, and I know that you are loved by God. And that's the overarching umbrella in which we walk into this text. The God who sent his one and only son absolutely adores each of you. And Paul is unpacking what happened on the cross. And he's defining what it means to follow this Lord, this King, this wounded healer, this suffering servant, this Messiah to all. And as we were, um, he also begins the letter and he says in verse 17 in that first chapter, and he says, a part of the gospel is God's righteousness being displayed in fulfilling the commands of God in the Old Testament, of the Ten Commandments, and somehow forgiving everybody. And the text we're going to study explains how that happened. Let, Let me... For every Jewish person, when they, say, when, when they were hearing about the gospel for the first time, how could God take us as is, as a holy God? How could he ever do it without us atoning for our sins every week, every day, every month, every year? How could he possibly do it? We're, we're in sin, we sin. The answer comes in this text this morning. How God does it. What other things do we need to know? Oh, remember I was yelling at you last week? (laughs) Because last week's chapter, or verses, they ended with everyone. You know, he starts with the Greeks and he says, you guys try and rationalize your way and you, you try and use rhetoric and Convince yourselves that you can get to God through your wisdom. And I'll tell you, right now, it's a dead end. That's what Paul says. And then he says, you, you Jewish folk, you think it's because you're, you're grandfathered in. It's because you're heritage. And I tell you, you're not gonna, it's a dead end street that way too. And that text, you remember it ends with, shut your mouths Because when you stand up in a court and God is looking at you as is, you have nothing. 
nothing to offer him. What? Okay, we're going to pick up, and this is some good news. So it's a, remember, we were getting yelled at last week, and I couldn't. Anyway, let's go. We're reading Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. But now, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what comes of the boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes. Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one and he will justify the circumcised on the ground of faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith, do we then over? Throw the law by this faith by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of the Lord. You could honestly preach. How long, Sharon? What, like, what do you think? I, I, you could. I know pastors that take three years to go through Romans. Serious. They and you still don't get everything. This is dense and, whoa, mind-blown. And so we're going to, uh, N.T. Wright says, you know, when you come to passages like this, it's kind of like coming to a really messy desk. And it's good to just organize and see, okay, this, is, this needs to get done today. This needs to get done tomorrow. This needs to get, he, he says, let's take this text and let's look at it, and let's look at it in different, like, big, huge concepts. Okay. Is everybody still alive? Okay, good. I like this. I like this. We're together. Um, Martin Luther, in his Bible, wrote right next to this section, 21 through 26. He says, this section is the chief point and the very central place of the epistle and the whole of the Bible. 21 through 26 is the point of this. 
according to Martin Luther. He first brings up justified. And he's like, remember I said at the end of the last week, we cover, cover our mouths and shut our mouths because we're guilty and we're in a courtroom. But then through this new righteousness, new, but now, those are exciting words, but now, there's something new. It's this new kind of righteousness. And through this new kind of righteousness, how do we get this new kind of righteousness? Starts with an F, ends with an eighth. Ready? Faith. Faith in what? Jesus. And the faithfulness of God that's in the text. The faithfulness of God in Jesus. Faith in the faithfulness of God in Jesus is this key to this new righteousness. And then he unpacks these, and he throws these big terms in our lap. Justified. What does it mean to be justified? N.T. Wright says, When anyone believes in the gospel, God declares that he or she is truly one of those who will be vindicated in the future. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Meaning that Jesus, God justifies us through Jesus means anyone who said yes right then declared not guilty. Picture that court scene where Paul is saying, everybody's covered in sin, shut your mouths, making way for that same God, that holiness that can't be approached because of our sin. He sends his one and only son on our behalf and through what has been done on the cross. Jesus stands up and the God, God the Father says through Jesus and points at every single one of you, not guilty, you're excused from court, not guilty, you're, you're, you're blameless, not guilty. You were guilty, you were guilty of sin, you were guilty of death, you were guilty of all that stuff. He just declares it. How does he do that? Because he's God, right? 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 Okay, good. That dead air kind of freaks me out sometimes. Okay. Next one. Redeemed. He redeems us. What does that mean? He buys us back. I always thought, like, in terms of... This is when studying... It's alive and active. It teaches me stuff every single... I've, ta- I've taught Romans probably more than any other book in Bible studies. Um, but still, as I'm preaching... This is, I think, the first time I'm preaching through it. As I'm preaching through it, I'm seeing these huge re- revelations 
Do you remember when I preached on, in, on Easter? Was anybody around to listen to the podcast or whatever we were doing? I preached on Easter this idea that um, if, if atonement for sins was, um, was what the cross was mainly about, why didn't it happen on the Day of Atonement? And we're going to get to atonement next. So atonement's really important. But it overshadows redemption, in my opinion. We've missed this part of what happened because Paul has condensed his theology. This is all of the book of Hebrews in five verses. It's incredible how succinct and how phenomenal Paul puts this and weaves these things together. But he throws this concept of we're declared not guilty, and then he throws on its back, we're redeemed. And it kind of gets overshadowed because next he goes to atonement, which is a huge part. Um, And we'll get to that in a second. But what's redemption really about? I always thought it was about like buying somebody back from slavery. Uh, No, like redeeming a coupon. That's what I thought it was about. But it was actually about buying someone back from slavery. And this answers the question that I asked on, on Easter Sunday morning. Why, why doesn't Jesus do uh, the crucifixion and resurrection on, on, on uh, Yom Kippur? Why does he do it on Passover? Because redemption's a bigger deal than what I thought it was. Like, we've, we kind of overlooked this part of it. We've been bought back. We're, we're kingdom people. We're part of the second exodus people. That was my Easter sermon. You can go back and listen to it. But we are free from the slavery of sin and death. That's something huge that is over, over. We jump over it all the time because we're getting to this atonement stuff, which is actually huge too. And the Reformation actually kind of draws us to this atonement stuff because that's what the fight was about, Catholicism and Reformation, that kind of jazz, Protestants. I don't want to get tangentialized, but that's not a word. You've been set free. Have you ever seen The Matrix? How many times have I asked you this question? You might as well watch The Matrix at some point in this class. Okay? Because it's a really, like, it was really formational. It's, a, it's got some really really interesting points. There's a line in that movie where this guy says, Morpheus, this character Morpheus played by Lawrence Fishburne, says, the people are enslaved and they don't even know it. And I think Paul would say that to the Christian church if he showed up. We act too much like the world around us. We act like we are enslaved to sin and death. We have way more victory than, we, than how we're living. Look to your right and look to your left and tell that person, you've been redeemed. You've been released from the shackles of this kingdom. We're no longer in the kingdom of America. As members of this place right here, I say, how many people are in here? We say one people. That one people, we serve one and only king. 
only one king. Who is that king? His name is Jesus the Christ. And that Jesus the Christ, through faith in him, he walks up to each of us, unshackles us and says, go do it. Go be free. Don't live shackled like, like everybody around you. This kingdom is doomed for sin and death. That's the kingdom of this world. My kingdom, the second Exodus kingdom, this people where Jews and Gentiles, all, everybody, male, female, serve me as king. We have no shackles. We've been set free. I think that's enough time on that one. Okay, is everybody still with me? There's a lot, right? And then atonement. What? <laughs> and we don't even, because if you've got King James, who's got King James? Did you see a word in there that's not in the other ones? Propitiation. What? <laughs> that's another week. Basically, I'll just sum that up. God has wrath towards sin. It has to go somewhere. Where did it go? Jesus on the cross. And through faith in Jesus, our sin is propitiated. That's an impressive word. You get an SAT score on that one. Now, we got, we're, that's brief but amazing right there. Um, we go to the next atonement. Once I turn my page. Okay. Atonement. This is, I had another revelation. I'm reading this commentary. That goes in my paperclip. Um, by this woman named Lancaster. And she writes this. Atonement is reconciliation. It's about unity. At one. Atonement at one. Those who have been torn apart, God's law court pronouncement of justification restores relationship with God. And because it has been made on the basis of Jesus Christ rather than the law, it forms a new community for those who follow Jesus that makes no distinction between Jew and Gentile, which rolls into this this new righteousness The first thing is it unites us. It unites us not not only with each other, but with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I was hanging out with a a Jewish guy, and he's in the AA program. Um, and just this last Wednesday, what was last Wednesday? Sunset to sunset. Yom Kippur. Ten days before that, what's that? Rosh Hashanah. What are the ten days in between? They're called ten days of repentance. And they have a name. And this is the first year I found out about this. Aseret Yemi. Say that with me. Aseret Yemi. I'll say it again. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Aseret. Yemi. Ten days of repentance. And this is the way this brother 
He explained it to me. He says, you know, in AA language, the Day of Atonement, it's people making amends with God. A Sarah Yemi is people making amends with each other. The Day of Atonement is about making amends. It's about rightening the relationship, the unified relationship between creator and created. The Jews did it for thousands of years through this Day of Atonement. Sacrifice. Jesus did it once and for all. Listen to N.T. Wright on this subject. And as he says, he says, um, as you, a Jewish person hearing this text, 21 through 26, we're still in 21 through 26, and especially the part about um, the atonement part. Anybody got their Bible still open? Okay, good. Where's the atonement part? There it is, 25. Whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. In that verse, a Jew would hear the mercy seat. A Jew would hear the mercy seat on the day of atonement. And the mercy seat, what was the mercy seat? Let me read this. What the? Okay. God put forth the way a priest in the temple would place the shewbread on the altar. Leviticus 24, 8 and elsewhere. I'm reading from N.T. Wright. Paul combines this with the special word which refers to one item of temple furniture in particular, the mercy seat, the place of mercy where between the carved angels, God would meet his people in grace and forgiveness. Instead of the temple and its symbolism, Paul is saying Jesus himself is now the place where and also the means by which the God of Israel has met with the people and forgiven their sins. And then he throws a third idea on top of it and dramatically combines these two things with forgiveness is affected through the blood of Jesus. You get a visual image of blood being shaken onto the mercy seat. And at the same time, Paul's calling to mind that crucifixion event where the blood of the lamb is poured out and sprinkled on all of us. For all time. And we're made at one with one another, and we're made at one with the God who made us. Although we're filled with sin and we sin all the time, through faith in Jesus, that's all washed clean, and the blood pours all over us, and we are new. New and righteous and blameless. Wow. 
I'm running out of time. So I'm going to do 27 through 31. Um, you learn about the second attribute. Because at the time, there was a huge problem. There was a huge problem of the people of God, the Hebrew nation. Is the AC on in here? Okay, good. I'm sweating. Am I working out up here? Okay, relax. Relax, Jay. I got a handkerchief for just an event like this. Now, um, people were not getting along in worship. Can you even imagine that? Right? (laughs) Can you imagine? In light of what he just said, that people could walk into a place of worship and not get along with one another? What? 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 I don't know. Uh, This is a little far-fetched, but I'm going to stick with Paul. And Paul says and brings up the major conflict. We got a people group that was chosen by God before the creation of the world. That's the Jew. And then we got these newbies walking in. Hey, what's this about? That's the Gentile. And there's friction. There's friction. No, you do it this way because we've been doing it for thousands of years. Oh, P.S. Gentile walks in. Uh, that way it don't work no more because Jesus changed everything. I'm going to do it this way. And so people are fighting back and forth. And people are starting to like, mix it up a little bit. And Paul lays down the law and he says... No, you see these huge, these huge things that happen on the cross. They dwarf all of your little silly issues. They dwarf all of your little disputes. And they declare from God, I, I want everybody. I, you don't get to choose. You, you don't get to say things on my behalf. Especially if those things are exclusive. The cross is about saying... Anybody that realizes they got a problem, or as in the words of last week, that they're a mess, come here. This is water in the desert. This is blood atoning for anybody who wants it. This is the Savior of the world declaring not guilty to anybody who comes to before him with faith. Set free from slavery. And then he throws in a curveball right at the end and just says, the law is not worthless anymore. It actually pushes us back into realizing we need mercy all the time. We need to hear this message over and over. We need to hear these verses read over and over every day of our walk on this earth because the kingdom of this world is very tempting and very effective at pulling us off. We need this first section to remind us, no, we're clinging to a God that said, I forgive you as is. Now, we got to apply this stuff. N.T. says, I think it's correct. There are many times in reading Paul when the right reaction is to kneel down and give God thanks. This is one of those times. At some point today or this week, 
physically get on your knees and thank God for Jesus the Christ who God sent on your behalf to declare you not guilty, free as a second Exodus person, sins atoned for, united with the brothers and sisters right here and united with the Father through faith in Jesus. I, I can't read this without wanting to be more like Paul. Is anybody with me? I am so sick of shallow people. And myself, too. Why am I talking about Cal Bears? I didn't even go to Cal. Anyway, <laughs> my wife went to Cal. I went to Biola. We don't have any sports, so I root for Cal. I, why do I fill my days talking about worthless things? Why do I spend so much time trying to impress people that, that don't really, aren't ever going to like me and aren't, they don't really matter in the big time? What matters is what God thinks of you. Spend time getting deep with the God who, who wrote you this. Who opens this letter with Paul saying, Beloved, how can I make that more welcoming? Beloved, adored one, gorgeous, my creation, my poema. That's what he says in Paul, Paul Ephesians. This is a call to be deep. This is a call to look around and say, yep, that person too. Yep, that person too. Yep, that person too. Yep, that person too. All. All. There's no... All but that guy. (laughs) He's not really wearing deodorant, you know? No, all. And then look at the law. It's just a call back to look at Scripture. Be quick to repent. Do we respond in singing? That sounds like a great idea to me. Does that sound like a great idea to anyone else? Let's stand up and sing
Please be seated. And my wife reminded me, some of us in here, if we get on our knees, we're not going to get back up again. <laughs> so I'm not a literalist, okay? You can, it's, it's helpful to get your body in some physical position of helplessness, right? And humility. And that could just mean laying in bed. Um, oh, and by the way, anybody know what 24601 is? This was just reminding me. Les Mis- Jean Valjean, that's his prison number. Anyway, read Les Mis, you'll get the reason behind this hanky and how it ties in to what I just talked about. It's a call to humility. Anywho, um, we're continuing worship is what we're doing. And as we do so, reflect on the truths that were just proclaimed from his word. You've been justified, declared not guilty. You've been declared at one with each other and one with God through Jesus the Christ. Our sins have been propitiated. They've been paid for by Jesus Christ. And we've been redeemed. You've been set free from this world of slavery and bought back to live a free life. And as that free person, here's the part of the service where we give back to God just a portion of what he's given to us. For those of you listening on the podcast, you send your tithes and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, or PCC, at P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California 92628 and for those of us here in the sanctuary you just leave them in the offering plate on your way out this morning's tithes and offerings are now received
may be seated. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, he instructed them, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. We now come to that time in worship when we make our needs known to God. And we look for that peace that comes from having placed our cares in his hands. Pray with me. Almighty God, you taught us to pray not only for ourselves, but for people everywhere. Hear us now as we pray for others in the name of Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers for this congregation. Strengthen the faithful, arouse the careless, restore the penitent. Bring to us all the things that are needed in our life as a congregation. We ask for faithful servants to do the work of this community, teachers to bring your word to all, funds to support the activities of the church, and love that reaches out to all. We pray for the leadership of this church. Help them to know and to do your will. Guide us all in the days ahead. We pray for our nation and the role we perform as citizens. Help us take responsibility for our actions. We pray for the leaders of our country and other nations as well. Give them a sense of humility amid the powers they exercise. Give them respect for one another so that all your people can dwell in the hope that peace can prevail. We ask you to be with the country Afghanistan in their new leadership. Protect those who need your care. We continue to pray for your care on those parts of the country with continuing violent weather. Help them to recover from storms, floods, loss of utilities, and other storms approaching. Send help where it is needed. We pray for all who have been affected by the COVID virus. We pray for those who are ill, that they may be healed and have no lingering effects. We pray for those with concerns about their jobs, loss of income, anxiety about the future, education for the children, and the overall concern for staying healthy. Protect the elderly and the vulnerable. Help us, we pray. We pray for all who are here with special needs today, the sick, the sorrowing, those worn down by life. May they experience your presence and feel their burdens lightened. Give us compassion to reach out to comfort them and show them your love. Grant to all who need it healing of body, mind, and spirit through the ministries of the church, the medical professions and healthcare institutions, and by your mercy. 
We pray for healing for all who are planning surgery, who are seeking a diagnosis, who are in constant pain, and who are losing mobility and independence. And we pray for all the caregivers, family members, and loved ones of those needing help. Give us the mind of Christ as we look upon our neighbor. Gracious God, because you have called us your children, we are bold to ask for what we need, confident in your goodness through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now would you please stand for our concluding hymn.
a boss. I love you, Cornell. That's awesome. Uh, yesterday we had a student ministries pool party. Carlina, thanks for having us over your house. The quote from the day was Rose Chase was there. She had a broken arm. She said, um, I can't swim, but I can eat. <laughs> There's some donuts in the fellowship hall. Join us. At, at, let's hang out a little bit and eat some donuts after the service. Um, I'm really glad everybody showed up this morning. The benediction comes from uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore, may it be so. Amen.